Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. It's over. This is the last time you'll see that video. I hope you took good notes. There's a quiz at the end of the day to see if you can list all of the Ten Commandments, so ushers be ready to hand that out. Um, we, started, we started this journey asking that question, like, hey, how many of you, you know, like, know the Ten Commandments? I think like two brave souls raised their hand, like, yeah, I got, I got that. And then I said, how many of you can do it in the right order even? And then I think no hands were up at that point in time. And so um, now, hopefully, after this is our fifth week now in this series, we actually know what the Ten Commandments are for the most part. There's no quiz, by the way. Um, some of y'all were really like, is he for real? Nope. Uh, no, no quiz. But now we know that the Ten Commandments are probably not what we thought they were. That really, if we, we started out this being this journey, if I just said, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? You're probably like, uh, don't kill people. And don't steal and don't lie. Don't do bad things. That was it. That was our image of the Ten Commandments, and hopefully we've moved beyond that now, and so now we have like a bigger grasp of the Ten Commandments, that actually the Ten Commandments are not just a list of these arbitrary rules, because I think this is the way we look at it, and I think religious people have reinforced this really, really poorly. We've reinforced the idea that, hey, there's a list of rules out there, and if you're a good rule keeper, God will like you, to which the five of you that are good rule keepers are like, yes. And then if I said, if you're not a good rule keeper, God is mad at you. And the, you know, the other 95% of us all went, oh, I'm going to have to make up for this somehow. I'm going to carry an old woman across the street. I'm going to have to give bigger in the offering. I've got to make up for this because I'm not a good rule keeper. And what we did was is we established this idea that the Ten Commandments was this kind of like this line in the sand that said, if you can get over here, if you can keep all these rules, God will really, really like you. And if you don't keep these rules, God is mad at you and angry. And there might be like a bearded man with a thunderbolt ready to get you every time that you break one of these rules. And that had nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. I mean, nothing. That could have been like, that's the farthest thing from it. Because really what it was, it was a group of slaves that got freed from their bondage and they come out into the desert and God's like, hey, I love you. I'm the one that freed you. I set you. I am your salvation. And now that we're together, now that you're in, I want to give you some rules because now that you're free, I want you to stay free. Now that you're free, I want to set you up for success. Now that you're free, I'm going to use you to be a nation that becomes the light to the world, that the whole world will be able to look at you people and they'll be able to say, oh, this is what it looks like to know God and to serve God. And you'll be different because of all this stuff. And so these rules, again, we, we started thinking about don't steal and don't kill. And the first, kill? Kill. <laughs> steal and kill. That, don't steal and don't murder. And, and we thought, that, but like the first four commands, did you notice the first four, we didn't even go there yet. The first four commands start out with this. Don't have any other gods in addition to me. It's me. That's it. Now, I'm number one, and there ain't nobody else. It's just me. And if I'll be number one, and not just number one, but really the center of all things, that's the most important thing I can give you to set you up for success, to make you different than everybody else, to make sure that free people stay free. You just got to keep me first and in the center of all things. And then he just keeps building on it. We're not even dealing with, like, good things and bad things and keeping the rules yet. The second thing that he said was is this. He said, hey, don't make any graven image or statue of me. Like, that's not how I roll. Every other God in the pagan world, in the pagan universe, they got a trinket or a statue or a place. Like, you can't shrink me down. I'm too big. I don't work like that. I'm bigger than whatever you could imagine in your little brain. I'm bigger than that. So don't don't shrink me down. Because, see, the thing is this. If you shrink me down to a trinket, then you can put me in a drawer and leave me places. 
um, when you want to go do your own thing, and then, but, but see, I'm at all places at all times, so it doesn't, it doesn't work. I'm, I'm everywhere, so you can't shrink me down to a place or a trinket or a statue or a location. Don't, don't do that to me. I'm different than, because I think some people, when you start talking about the idea of God, they have all these different kind of pictures, and God was saying, I am unlike anything you have ever thought about. I'm different. Then he says this. It's crazy. He says, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and we just thought, like, don't cuss, you know, don't. Somebody asked me that yesterday. They're like, you're a pastor, right? He said, what do you think when people come up and start saying, and he was so funny, he didn't, it was like he didn't want to offend me, so he didn't say Jesus, he said Jesus. <laughs> I'm not making this up. He goes, hey, what, what do you think when people are just like, Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know. I just bought a washer and a dryer from a guy named Jesus. That guy was nice. <laughs> he works at Best Buy. If you need a washer and dryer, you go to Best Buy, there's a guy named Jesus there, and he's fantastic. That's not a joke. So maybe I got a commission or something. Anyway, he's like, what do, you, what do you think when people just say, hey, Jesus? And I'm like, what do you, what do you, I literally say, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know, when, when, you know, and I'm like, do you mean when people say Jesus, like it's a cuss word? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm like, I guess if they were really just rude and belligerent at some point, I'd say something to them just for, you know, just being, not being nice or something. I said, but like, I don't think they're trying to be offensive. I don't. They just don't know that that's bad. That, that, that never occurred to them that that's bad. They probably weren't raised to think that, like, what's sacred to me. And it, I'm like, it's all, it's all, it's, it's okay. Because the point of don't taking the Lord's name in vain, yes, the, the, it's true. I don't want you to use Jesus as a cuss word. Okay, that's true. But that's just common sense. Like, if you honor somebody, you don't use their name as a cuss word. The, the command had to do with, this is what was God saying, don't put my name on something I didn't put my name on. Don't go around leveraging your purposes, your plans, your selfish agenda, your sinful issues. Don't leverage all that and then throw my name on it so that you can get your way. Don't use my name to take advantage of people, to manipulate people, or to get your way personally or corporately or in a government or any type of way like that. You can't do that. That's, that's my name. That's not your name. And then the last one was take a vacation. Literally, you need to have one day of the week that's different than every other day of the week, and I want to spend some time together. Because if you'll do these four things, the rest of the stuff, I mean, like, I'll mention it just so that we're clear on details, but, like, this stuff gets easy now. Like, you know, you don't have to, like, when, when God is the center of all things, you're not like, God, do I murder him? Do I not murder him? I... That's not in your process. I've never had that struggle in my mind. I've never like had to pray through that struggle and be like, God, should I? Is it okay? No, you don't have to do that. So the first four commands were all about your personal relationship and connection with God. And think about this. Do you remember when the lawyer comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important command in all of scripture? And he says this. He says, love the Lord. Just love God. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind. Just give him everything you got. Just love God. That's what these first four commands are all about. Just love God. Just put God first. Love God. Honor God. And so, and then Jesus follows it up though, because do you remember what he said? He goes, and the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself, which is really where we're going to go today. Because when you look at the first four commands, it's all about you honoring God. And then if you look at the next six commands, it's all about you loving and honoring people. So let's read it together. Let's go through this. Exodus chapter 20. This is where God pivots. First four, all about him. Second six, it changes a little bit. Watch this. Honor your father and your mother. This is command number five. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You know, you don't murder people. That's 
It's hard to have a good relationship with people if you murder those people. It's hard to have good relationships with people if there's a deep type of betrayal like adultery. It's hard to have good relationship with people and love people if you steal things from them. They don't like that. You, you don't need to lie about, you don't give false testimonies, don't lie about your neighbor. Like, people won't like that, okay? People are going to be really upset if you go and lie about them. That's not going to bode well for you to have a good relationship with them. And then lastly, is a weird one, we'll talk about it separately. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor shall you covet their wife or their servants or their ox or their donkey or any, anything. Everybody say anything. It's just, just, let's just do everything. This is anything, everything, whatever. So don't, don't covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. And here is really the big idea. Like I want you to get like how profound and how simple this is all at the same time. The big idea is really this. Everybody is valuable and worthy of dignity. So treat them right. Like everybody is worthy of dignity and honor. Be careful how you treat them. Them people are made in my image and my likeness. They're valuable because I said they were. They're valuable and it's a big deal. They're valuable and I need you to know that. I need you to treat them right. I need you just to be very, very mindful of that. In the New Testament, we would even look at what Jesus did for people. And not only will we say that all people are made in the image and likeness of God. We're talking about poor people, rich people. We're talking about black people, white people, brown people, other colored people. There's colors. Everybody, like they're all worthy of dignity and honor. And by the New Testament, you get to look at it like this. This is not just a person that's made in the image of likeness of God. This is a person for whom Christ died. Like Christ looked at them and deemed them so valuable that he gave up his life on their behalf. So be careful how you treat them. Be careful how you talk about them. Be careful how you think about them. Like you need to know this was a really, really big idea. Now, listen, listen, you're a 21st century American for the most part. And many of you were raised in church or you're raised in maybe this type of environment where like this stuff is kind of like commonplace. This right here was radical. I mean, huge. You ever look at the Old Testament and think how barbaric, how barbaric, like these archaic people. I want you to know like when they heard the Ten Commandments, this was a leap forward culturally. This was a leap forward in society. This was a leap forward in politics. This was a huge leap forward. Because you got to remember, where did these slaves just come from? Egypt. What did they have in Egypt? They had a pharaoh who was a king who basically made up the rules as he went because he was God. That was what he portrayed himself to be. He was a God. There were other gods. There's a bunch of gods, but Pharaoh was a God. And see, in their system and in every other worldly cultural system that they had, who what, y'all remember the phrase, might makes right? That was the way the world worked. So it was this. It was this idea of... If you were rich, you could take advantage of poor people because that's the way the world works. If you were powerful, you could take advantage of weak people because that's just the way the world works. The world is like a dog-eat-dog world. Like whoever's bigger, stronger, faster, has the better military, has more money, they will dominate. If you have food and they need it and you're bigger, they will go take it and that's just the way the world works. And so what Moses did, he comes down from this mountain, he says, hey, look what God told me. God told me that everybody's valuable. Everybody is, is incredibly worthy of dignity and honor. Like rich people can't take care or take advantage of poor people now and powerful people can't take care of 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 weak people now because now everybody is worthy 
of dignity and honor. And they'd never known a world like that. They'd only known that dog-eat-dog world or that world in which people who had power, they did what they wanted and they were never held accountable. Who was going to hold them accountable? As long as Pharaoh was the biggest and the strongest and had the biggest army, he could do whatever he wanted. He could make up any rules that he wanted. And this is where God changes everything. Because, And this is, you got to think about this. If Moses was like everybody else, or if God hadn't have really said this, this is what you have to come to the conclusion of. Because if you and I were Moses, we would have come down that mountain and we'd have said, hey, look, there's 10 commands. And command number one is you honor God. And command number two is you honor Moses. Right? Because that's the way the world works. Like, honor God, that's fine. Honor Moses, right? So, but what Moses was saying was like, I'm not above anybody. The prophet, not above anybody else. The king is not above the law. How many know like, in your home, you have certain rules and laws in your home, right? So if you're a kid and you're underneath the age of like 15, y'all need to just earmuff right now. Don't listen to what I'm about to say. Okay, grown-ups, in your home, you have rules, right? And you make up these rules. They're rules like, don't put your feet on the coffee table. But bless God, when your feet are tired and them dogs is barking, them things is going up on the coffee table. Whenever you make a rule, don't you feel like justified if you break the rule? You're like, that's my rule. I made the rule. I can break the rule. So like playing with fire in the house. Like the kids are not allowed to play with fire in the house. You can play with fire. Do whatever you want. It's your house. Burn it down. I don't care. Like, that's the way you feel. You feel like I can do whatever I want. I made up these rules. Like remember when you tell your kids, like, look, you can't drink OJ out the bottle. Okay? You can't just be like, well, I'm thirsty. Roll up in the fridge and start drinking some OJ. But when it's midnight... And you need a little thirst quencher. You're not going to dirty a dish. You're drinking right out the OJ bottle. Why? Because them rules are your rules. And whenever you make the rules, don't you feel justified breaking your own rules? Of course you do. Please, everyone shake your heads. Amen. So I'm like, okay. And what God was doing was so revolutionary because this had never been established before. And what he was establishing was this, is I'm making the rules. These are not arbitrary. These are not subject to discussion Everybody must submit to these rules. This this goes for every human being who will ever exist on planet Earth. Pharaoh, you got to commit to these and submit to these and acknowledge these. So this this is the, 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 the kind of summary statement. God was saying this. I am the lawgiver. You're the law keeper. And everyone is accountable to me. Because this isn't a person making up rules who can then feel justified breaking those rules. Or this is not about powerful people making up rules and then they bend and break the rules whenever they want to take advantage of weaker people or richer people taking advantage of poor people. This is God saying everyone has value, everyone has dignity, everyone is worthy of some type of honor. Treat them right. And if you don't, you need to know this. You're not accountable to a person, you're accountable to me. This was huge. You gotta think about this because you remember the Ten Commandments ends up becoming a bill of rights for the whole nation of Israel. The rest of their laws are built on these holy and sacred 10 commands that didn't come from a person, but they came directly from God. I want you to think about this. Think about the way government systems work. So most of the time government systems work where there maybe is a democracy and everybody just votes on everything, or maybe there's a monarchy and there's a king who dictates everything, or there's just a dictator who enforces his power to get whatever he wants. All these different forms of government. But Have you ever wondered, like, what kind of government is best? I remember asking this question, because, you know, like, when you go through these political cycles and you get into these heated debates and arguments and people talk, you're like, okay, well, God, what is the best form of government? You know what God's form of government was? 
It was a republic. Because in a republic, the law is first and foremost and above every person. And when you look, not until about 1776 do you see a nation really attempt this. So in 1776, you have this, this group of people that get together and say, hey, what if we were different? What if we looked at the Bible? What if we saw some things, picked up on some things, noticed some things, ding, 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 and locked into some ideas? What if we formed a republic? So just so you know, like, America is a republic. I don't know if you knew that or not. Because most of us think it's a democracy. Most, like, we, we, and even when you listen to the political pundits, well, we're a democracy. No, we're not. We're a democratic republic. We're a republic. And this is why this is so important. It's because, theoretically, there is no person who is above the law. There is no class of people who is above the law. That's the way it was designed to be. That like if you're a president, you break the law, you're accountable to the law. That you're a congressperson, you're a senator, you're a working class person. It doesn't matter. Everybody is accountable to the law. That's what a republic is. It means law first. That's, that's what that means. So we're not, because in a democracy, here's the problem with a democracy. You don't really want to be in a democracy because like, let's say we stick you in a room of 20 people and let's say, you know, five of them are black people and 15 of them are white people. You don't want a democracy if you're a black person, do you? Because you're like, whoa, 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 this isn't fair. Well, you can say, I could, and that's the, way, that's the way government systems work for thousands of years. In any type of democracy, whoever had the most vote swung that power to get their, am I making y'all uncomfortable? Y'all just, y'all got quiet up in here. Are y'all with me? I keep rolling with me. And the other problem that you see that with democracies is this, is democracies usually lead to some form of demagogue. Because ultimately in a democracy, and you see this right now, you see this, in a democracy at some point we realize I just need to get the majority of people to vote for me. So I need to say whatever it takes to convince you to vote for me. So I'll make promises I can't cash in on. I'll make promises I don't even believe in. I'll say whatever it takes to get the vote and that's how demagogues rise up into power and then demagogues usually leads to dictatorships. And you see this ugly cycle throughout human history. And so God was saying, no, no, I want it to be different because in the world system, might makes right, but that's not my system. In my system, I want you to treat everybody right because I'm the lawgiver. You're the law keeper and you're accountable to me. And so this was a huge leap forward in society. This wasn't archaic. This was futuristic thinking. This was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So there's no king? Do you remember like how like the, the nation of Israel didn't have a king for like hundreds and hundreds of years after this? God did not want them to have a king. He specifically said, I don't want you to have a king. I want you to be so weird. I want you to be so different. I want other nations to come to you and be like, y'all don't have a king? Well, how do you? Well, no, no, we just have a law. God is the lawgiver. We law keepers. We're accountable to him. That's just the way it works. And for hundreds of years, they didn't have a law. Now, they screwed this up and messed this up and did all kinds of bad things. Along. I'm, they were not perfect. Um, America is not perfect. It, 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 was, it was founded on the idea of being a republic. As a matter of fact, when they asked Thomas Jefferson, after he began to write the Declaration of Independence, he was asked, what have you done? What, what, what did you put together? And he said these words. He said, I gave you a republic if you'll keep it. Think about, you ever think about the Pledge of Allegiance? How many of your little kids and you did the Pledge of Allegiance every morning? You had to stand up and be like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Put this up real quick. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the is a republic. Yeah. It was the idea that law first, law above all else. Even our government, I don't know if you know this or not, but even the three branches of government is based on a scripture from the book of Isaiah. Because in the book of Isaiah, the prophet said that God was our lawgiver, God was our king, and God was our judge. And they took those three ideas and they said, aha, we need an executive branch we need a legislative branch and we need a judicial branch. Like, but above all was a law. 
Are you, are you following me? And so God was establishing something so radical where every human being had value and dignity. Every human being was accountable to God. This was revolutionary in terms of its leap forward in how it would be treated. And now I just want to kind of walk through each one of them and show you like the brilliance of all of them. Are you ready? So, so this is what, remember the first four commands, all about how you connect with God. This next six commands are all about how you connect with people. So command number five was this. Do you remember this? Honor your father and mother. Remember I said the whole thing is about honor people. So he starts with this. Honor your parents. This is how you know people didn't write this. People wouldn't put that in there. People would be like, do you know my mother-in-law? People don't put this in there. God puts this in there. And it comes with a promise. The only scripture or the only command of the Ten Commandments that comes with the promise. He goes, hey, if you honor your mom and dad, you'll have a long life. And there's a blessing that follows honoring your parents. And studies will back this up that you'll see like societies that honor parental figures are a, are a more thriving society. There's something culturally that takes place and societies are better when we have honor for our father and our mother. Command number six is this. It says this, don't, don't murder. We talked about this already. Like honor, like that's not your life. That's their life. Honor that. You can't just take it. It's not yours. You didn't give it to them. You can't take it from them. Honor their life. We don't just take life from people. Number, number seven is don't commit adultery, like honor marriage. That's their marriage. That ain't your marriage. You honor that. You honor that sacred bond. That's something different. That's something unique. Again, when you look at cultures and societies that, that honor their parents, that honor marriage, that have a, what we would maybe call a biblical family unit, they are thriving cultures and societies. He said, this is a big deal. You've got, this is how you honor people. Number eight is this. He said this, don't steal. Like that's their stuff. That ain't your stuff. You don't get to take their stuff. Because you got to think in the, in the barbaric, archaic world that you think of, the tribalistic society that you think of, of maybe the Old Testament where this came out of, it was literally like, nah, I want that, and I'm bigger than you. I want that, and I have a bigger army than you. I want that, and I'm willing to go further to do whatever it takes to take it from you because I want God's like, no, 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 that's not your stuff. You don't get to just take from other people because people are worthy of honor and dignity. You don't just steal from them. Number nine was this. He was saying, hey, don't lie. That's their reputation. We don't just treat that lightly. That's their life. That's their reputation. We don't just go and lie about other people. And what I wanted to get you to see is this, because this works both ways. It swings both ways. Is that God, you can tell by all these rules, all these laws, that God is incredibly concerned about other people. Do you notice that? Like God cares about people. He's incredibly concerned about how you treat other people. But you need to know it swings back towards you. God's concerned with how people treat you. Like you matter. You have value. You have dignity. God's saying, no, I won't let people steal from you. I won't let people just take your life. I won't let people just take whatever they think is yours. I won't let people just lie about you. You have incredible value and honor and worth and dignity. And I'm going to make sure that there's a law that exists that sets this kind of thing in motion because I want Israel to be different. I want them to be the light of the world and I want you to show the world how you actually connect to me. And it's all found in how you treat other people. Yeah, I want you to honor me, but then I want you to be very, very careful with how you treat other people. So let, let's keep moving forward because God does something really weird here. You ready? So the last command is different than all the other commands. Are you ready for this? So we just got through like, hey, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie. And we're like, yeah, we're ready. okay, got that. Basically, don't be a jerk. You know, don't be a mean person. Don't be a bad human being. We kind of got a lot of these. But look at the 10th one. It's so weird. This is, this is really like a command that's unenforceable. 
Like, I can't tell if you broke this last command or not. I don't know if you, so it's, it's invisible and it's unfortunable. I, I can't like put you in jail for this one, but this is the 10th command. He goes, you shall not covet. Everybody say covet. So covet is this idea of like this incredible desire. We'd say lust maybe. It's when you want something so badly that like you get funky. You get, you want like, 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 it's like when your sister gets a new house and you're jealous of the new house and you so wish you had a house like that, that now like you don't even feel right being in their house and you're like, you just, you're mad. And, and when they lose the house on the inside, you celebrate a little bit and nervous laughter right there. So. That's that, don't, don't, don't you look at other people's house. That's her house. As a matter of fact, the, the, the reason why I think this is important too is because ultimately you don't ever want to look at them and be jealous or envious or covetous of what they have because it'll teach you the art of celebration, which is this. Anytime somebody else gets blessed, let me just celebrate them. Oh man, that's incredible. Oh, that's awesome, man. Because I believe this. I believe whatever you encourage and celebrate in other people, it's like sowing seed. Whatever you celebrate and encourage, it comes back to you. It's just my opinion. That if I want to celebrate, if I'll celebrate other people's victories, I'm more likely to step into my own victory. Can I get a, what, what? That's just chew on that at lunch today. So he said, don't covet your neighbor's house or their wife. Because every once in a while, you're going to look at a wife and be like, dang, I wish my wife acted like that. My wife's tripping. Or we can say husband, you know, that happens a lot too. Uh, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't be coveting their male and female servant. Don't covet his ox. You know what that is? That's your truck. So if he's got a truck, you're not like, dang, man, I wish I had that truck. Or his donkey, which is like, that's like a sedan. That might even be a hatchback. I don't even know. But that's your truck. That's your hatchback. You probably never looked at a hatchback. I'm like, dang, man, I wish I had that hatchback. Or, or everybody say anything. Like God's like, look, I'm just trying to like get descriptive to help y'all get in and like think about things, get some images to pop. But really, this is anything. This is across the board. And guess what? You can't, you can't legislate this one, can you? I can't get in your head and be like, wait a minute, you're coveting. I can see it through your eyes. Like this is the one that you, you can't even, I don't even know, God, why did you put this in this? And this is brilliant. I need you to understand this. What God, I believe, was saying is this is that you're not just accountable for what you do, you're accountable for what's in your heart. You mean God, God's not just looking at like, did I check a box and did I fulfill my minimal requirements by like, you know, you ever talk like, well, I'm a good person, I never killed nobody. You're right, you checked, you checked a box. But God's saying, no, no, it's so much deeper than that. Number one, did you honor me with your life? But then did you honor people in all kinds of different ways? And ultimately, like, hey, just what's in your heart? Like, you're account- don't you think about that? You're accountable for what's in your mind and what's in your thoughts and what's in your heart. This is why, you remember in the New Testament when Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount? And he said, hey, you've heard it, heard it said of old, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, don't even lust in your heart. That's the same thing. And everybody's like, dang, dude. Man, now I'm a loser. I'll never get this right. And everybody was like, man, how, where, where, why did you make the law so much harder? He didn't. This is, it's right here. It's in this last command. It was, this has always been in place. You're not checking a box to see if you're a good person or not. Ultimately, what we want to know is like, hey, you're accountable for what's in your thoughts, what's in your mind, what's in your heart. 
Are you lusting or coveting after something that's not yours? Manage that thing. And so here's, here's the summary statement. If you want to know what the Ten Commandments is really all about, this is the big summary statement. Number one, everybody say, honor God. That's it. What was the first four commands about? Hey, like, take a day off and spend time with me. Like, don't shrink me down. Don't start throwing my name around for whatever. Just keep me first and in the center of all things. If you do that, listen, everything's easy. If you do that, you're on a path towards blessing. If you do that, because here's what you need to know, is that God, see, many times when we look at rules, we're always trying to figure out what God's trying to keep us from. We do that with our earthly authority figures, right? All of a sudden, somebody says, don't go into that room. That room is off limits to you. What do you think about? Do what's in that room. I need to know what's in the room. There's clearly something in that room that he is trying to keep from me, and I need to know what's in the room. You have covetousness in your heart, and you don't even know what's in that room, right? And so all of us, we're looking at the rules of God, and we're like, what, 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 what is he keeping me from? What is he keeping? And here's what you need to know. God's not keeping you from anything other than harm. What you don't know is that in that room is a bomb, and it's going to go off if you open that door. Okay, God's just trying to prevent you from hurting yourself. God's trying to, because the, the commands of God are never restrictive in nature. I want you to think about this. Go through every command. How many know the Bible's full of do's and do, do nots, right? It's got all kinds of commands. I want you to realize this, is that the commands of God are never restrictive in nature. They're always protective in nature. Or it, we could even go further and say, not only are they protective in nature, but like the don'ts are protective in nature, but the do's are setting you up for success. Like if you looked at all the commands of the Bible, they have intrinsic value either positive or negative value to the meaning if you break them, you end up with something negative in your life, some type of bad outcome, some type of damage, some type of carnage, some type of broken heart, some type of guilt, some type of regret, some type of broken relationship. I promise, just start going through the New Testament. Start like, that's a do. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, there's a don't. Yep, did that one. Yep, that backfired. All these commands are God trying to set you up for success and blessing. God is trying to set you up for the best life possible. You got to start with honoring God. Number two is this, is you honor the people around you. The, the, like, look, the, the most important thing to your heavenly father, I believe, outside of you putting him first is really just the chain reaction. It's the motive. Like, why would people have any value at all without God? So God is the, the trigger, it's the motivation, it's the starting point. But really, what I think the most important thing to God in terms of what you do is how you treat other people. It's no different than, you, you, you know this, I was, um, we've hit a magical place in our lives. My wife and I can leave our home, just the two of us. It's amazing. Parents of young children, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, because I don't have I don't have like parents and in laws. I don't have family close by, and and you know we don't have a babysitter right next door that's just on call and ready to go. So like we live the life of like you know my my oldest son's about to be fourteen years old. So like we leave the house now, right? And it's we just go shopping. We find it's amazing just to go to Trader Joe's together. It's beautiful. It's like a date. It's hot. So I'm telling you, it's awesome. So, but, but the other day I'm leaving and I got my son and then my two daughters. And I remember I looked at my son. I said, Hey, look, you're in charge. You remember what I told you? I said, you're in charge. Love your sisters. Just love them. Just love your sisters. Treat them right. And I closed the door and left. And I'm like, I don't even care now. I hope they're alive when I get back. I've taught that kid everything I could. Um, but I want you to think like, this is, this is what your heavenly father does. Your heavenly father creates this environment and gives you life and thought and free will and gives you all these things. And he steps back and he says, 
and love your sisters. Treat people right. It's the most important thing to your heavenly father. If you're a, if you're a parent, you know this. If you're a parent and you have two kids, you know this. That like, it'd be great if they were like super like, yes ma'am, no ma'am. You might like lose your mind, you know? If you came home and all their chores were just done without asking more than once, you'd lose your mind. And that would be great, wouldn't it? But like if they did all that, but like when you weren't looking, they punched their sister in the face, would it matter? No. And yet, if you, if you came home and all, all the chores were done, and maybe instead of yes, ma'am, it was, huh? You know, but then you saw them extend incredible kindness to their sibling. Oh, my God. I feel like you've won the lottery, the child lottery. Like, I don't know how we did it. We did it. Praise the Lord. Because what's most important to you is maybe not all the things in which they treat you, but if they would treat their sister and brother right, oh my God, it just, it floors you as a parent. I just wanted you to get this idea that what matters to your heavenly father is how you treat other people. And then the last part of the command was this. It was, oh yeah, and also guard your heart and mind. Because it all starts there anyway, doesn't it? Like at all, like you, you didn't murder somebody without thinking about it first. You didn't commit adultery without having these thoughts and lustful ideas. You didn't steal without like dreaming up and lusting after what they had. You didn't do any of that stuff. So like guard your heart and mind. And then we'll close on this because I got to be done. I'm at 33 minutes and 50 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. This is the last part of the, of the Ten Commandments. Are you ready? This is like, remember we did the preface. Then we did all the commands. This is the close, right? This is the conclusion. Dive in with me last time we're going to pray. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. Basically, God put on like this crazy light show, smoke and all kinds of craziness. He was trying to like dramatize the moment to say, this is a really big deal. Never, ever, ever forget about this. This is not a light thing. This is a really, really, really big deal. So they stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, hey, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we'll die. Like, I'm freaked out. That's what that is. Because if Moses goes up on the mountain and he's gone for a long time and there's just nothing but thunder and smoke and lightning and you're like hearing horns in the distance, you're like, what in the world is going on? Like, no, 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 we don't, you go to the mountain. I don't need to go on Thunder Mountain. So, so Moses said to the people, and this is it, this is so profound. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God, that's why the thunder and the light and smoke and all that was there, so that the fear of God will keep you from what? Sinning. So what was the point of the Ten Commandments? God was trying to set you up for success. The word sin, by the way, literally means to miss the path. God's saying, look, man, I want you on a path towards like abundance. I want you on a path where we're walking together. I want you on a path in which you're loving and blessing other people. I want you on a path where you get to experience the best life possible. And anytime you start breaking these commands, you're off path. And you know what happens when you get off path and you're doing your own thing? You know what this is like. Think back to your past. Could be last week, could be 10 years ago. You start thinking about your past. Think about every time you ever deviated from the simple ways of God in terms of honoring God and honoring people and guarding your heart and mind. Whenever you strayed from that path, you ended up with all kinds of crazy. You had drama, you had heartache, you had broken relationship, you had guilt, you had regret, you had a mess that it took you weeks, if not months, if not years, to sometimes work your way out of that mess. And you need to know that your God is a loving heavenly father he already saved you. He already delivered you. He already pulled you out. You are free in him. He's just trying to keep you free and set you up for the best life possible. Let's pray this morning.
So, Father, where is it that we maybe are straying right now? God, is, it, is there something in us that maybe we're not honoring you? Maybe with that Sabbath day that's just the day that's unlike any other day. Maybe we've shrunk you down and minimized you. God, is there, is there a way in which, God, we're not just putting you in the center of all things? God, I, we, we come to you, God. It's time to reevaluate. It's time to repent. It's time to realign ourselves and get into your path. God, is there a way in which we're treating people in a way that you would be upset? Are, are we treating people with less than honor and dignity and respect and value? Is there any person in our life, God, that we're treating, and when we're treating them that way, when we're talking to them in a certain way, have we lost sight of the fact that they are a person for whom you died for? Is there someone in my life that I need to maybe even go to and repent and apologize to seek forgiveness, that I've treated them wrong? God, is there something in my heart this morning? Is there something in my mind? Is there something that I've been dwelling on, lusting after? dwelling on in my mind to a point where I'm distracted. I'm not celebrating people anymore. If anything, I'm a little jealous. So God, I want to realign my life with you. God, I come to you, God, and ask you for your strength and your help and your guidance, Lord God. I come and repent to you, God. I want to return to your path. I want to honor you. God, help me to honor people. God, help me to guard my heart and my mind. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Yeah. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.